0: The Beat Church, bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. We officially have more people at our women's retreat than we started the church with, so... Uh, it's probably time we did a guy's, some kind of guy's getaway. <laughs> Amen. Starts tomorrow. I need it. Take care of a three-year-old for three days by yourself is ridiculous. She always said less lesson two. Do You know what? It was a whole week. It was a man week. Anytime you're left alone with all the responsibilities for more than 24 hours, that's called a week in man's terms. It's exhausting. Um, all right, let's jump into the word. Uh, come to me. Matthew 14, 29 Come to me. Look at this picture. What do you what feeling does that give you? Hope, peace, calm. Come to me. Come to me, my child. Isn't that lovely? Isn't that wonderful? So peaceful. And so deceiving. <laughs> Because that's not really how it, how it goes. This is Jesus walking on the water. I looked up Jesus walking on the water photos. And all these Jesus walking on the water photos, for the most part, there's all this like peacefulness. Like, come to me. Come to me. It's so wonderful. And yet, that's not even the story, how it went down. The way it went down was so much more uh, crazy and wild and fearful and took so much more faith. It wasn't just this like, okay, I've frozen the water. It's glass. Come out now. And we'll skate together. It wasn't like that. Matthew 14, 24. This is a better picture of what was going on. Now come to me. Oftentimes when Jesus calls us to come to him in some area of our life, it does at first feel very peaceful. He gives us a huge amount of faith and this wonderful peace about it. And we're like, okay, sounds good. And then we jump into follow, and all of a sudden, I'm like, what are we getting into? This is it's kind of like a like a wedding, right? You do the whole vows for better or worse, and you may kiss the bride, I now pronounce you. Ta-da! And everybody's like, this is amazing. And then it doesn't take very long before, you know, you're getting a phone call because marriage counseling is needed ASAP. And so it's just, there's struggle. We, we look at the beautiful, wonderful, forever after thing, and then there's actual struggle. But here's the verse in 1424. He says, the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by waves because the wind was against it. So they're out on the water, and there's this buffeting and this pushing against. Do you ever feel like there's something in your life that's buffeting and pushing against you? You ever feel like that? Like, I'm trying to move forward, but it feels like there's something against me. Guess what? There is. There is. It's not, it's not in your head. It's not a conspiracy theory, and it's not even the government. It's not even your friend or your neighbor or your boss. It's not your spouse, although that could be the case in any of those scenarios. There's more than that. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the air. That there's actually a spiritual force against your life. When you wake up in the morning and you get out of bed and you're like, I'm ready, I've made a commitment, I'm gonna have my Bible time, I'm gonna worship God, I'm gonna give praise, I'm gonna write my thankfulness journal, I'm gonna have oatmeal, I'm gonna put blueberries in it, fresh. I'm doing all these things. I'm gonna go drink almond milk. Like, I'm ready for an amazing, incredible, healthy, fantastic day. And by the time you get dressed and go downstairs, all you want is a cup of creamer with a dash of coffee. A cup of coffee with a dash of creamer. Okay, we know where the real addicts are at. And you're sitting down to a bowl of ice cream and there's no oatmeal anywhere because it's already been a hard day. And you haven't even gotten up yet. Why? Because you're being buffeted against. We're being pushed against. There's actually a force against us, both from without and sometimes from within, our own heart. The Bible says a heart is deceitful above all things. It's wicked. who can know it. Sometimes we struggle against our own selves, but this is what's happening. Matthew 14, 25 to 26. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, so he let them sweat it out out there for a while. You ever feel like you're on the waves and you're being buffeted and there's no Jesus around? Like I'm by myself. Do you know what? Sometimes he lets you do that. Why? Because he knows you're not gonna sink. And I think sometimes it's fun to sit on the hill and watch you struggle. Just see. You ever see somebody, you give them a job to do and you know they probably can't do it, but it's fun to watch them? My wife does that. She's like, go fold your stuff and organize your stuff. She's an organizer. I'm not. She watches me struggle. I get it all put away, and then she walks over, and she reorganizes it for me. But she lets me struggle first. I think sometimes God just likes to watch us struggle. He likes to watch us go through it. He likes to see us try to get it done. I do that with my three-year-old. I do that with my son. He's almost 16. He still thinks he's a better athlete than me. And sometimes I like to watch him struggle. He's out there practicing hoops. He's shooting. He's bouncing it off the rim. He's shooting it off the thing and challenged him to a game of of last time we played. Last time we played, I won. (laughs) I watch him practice and meet up with the coaches and sweat it out and watch his diet and run up and down the court and get concussions and wind up in MRIs in the hospital. He's putting his whole life into this thing. And Do you know what I'm doing? I'm hanging out. Watching him struggle. And then I roll out, say, hey, how about we play? We go out and play. Boom. I beat him. You're in a church. You're in a church. Who won the last game? You're in a church. It was to three. This number doesn't matter. I beat him three to two. And by the way, it only took Jesus three days to beat the devil. So three is a good number. But let's move on. Let's move on. Sometimes God as a father likes to watch. He's not in a rush. He's not in a hurry. Why? Because he already knows the outcome. God, why aren't you doing this faster? I'm not in a hurry. I know it's going to get taken care of. I'm not in a rush. I'm waiting. And meanwhile, while we're waiting, guess what's happening? Perseverance produces character. Character, hope. A hope that doesn't disappoint. He's letting us build an inner strength. And so he's okay watching. So this is them. They're going through this. They saw him walking on the lake. They were terrified. Now when he finally does show up, he doesn't show up in the way that they expect. How many of you ever had God show up finally, as in the case of Lazarus? He finally shows up after Lazarus has been dead for four days, and the Bible says, "Behold," in the King James, "Behold, he stinketh." Thus, he waits until he stinketh. How many of you have been in a situation where you feel like God waited until, behold, you stinketh your whole life? Stinketh like it's this terrible. It's too late. It smells. Nobody wants to be around. I don't even want to be around. This whole thing's messed up. Why didn't Jesus come sooner? Do you know what? Sometimes God just waits. He knows the outcome. He already knows what's going to happen. He's not in a hurry for your promotion. Maybe you think you're, you're losing your job. You're watching layoffs. Something's happening. You're like, I don't know what's going to happen. Why isn't God helping me, getting me a new thing? Maybe you're living quarters and where you're at. Maybe you're renting a room or you're in a house or you're like, I don't know. I've got to move and you can't find a place and you're just struggling. Like, God, I've been praying. I've been waiting. I've been, this to happen. Maybe there's something going on in your life, in your marriage, something with your kids, something with, who knows? Maybe with your health. And you're like, God, why haven't you fixed this yet? Why haven't you helped me yet? Why haven't you changed this yet? And you're just, you keep going through it. And He's like, I'm just waiting. Waiting for what? It doesn't smell enough yet. I'm waiting for it to really get messed up. Why? Why? Because he already knows the outcome. And if he lets it go a little longer, you build perseverance. You build character and hope. And guess what? More people see that the, the outcome that happened, the good that came out, could have only come from God. And it's a way for them to know him. It's a way for him to draw people into himself so that they can get the same help that you've received from the Lord. When he finally comes in, he's doing it different than they thought. He's walking on the water, so they're terrified and it says, It's a ghost. They said and they cried out in fear. A lot of times when God shows us the way he wants to do it, it brings fear. It brings fear. What do you mean that's how you want me to do it? I can't forgive that person. If I forgive that person, they're just gonna hurt me more. It's fearful. Lord, I'm worried about my finances. And he says, you know what? Give, give to this person or give to this need or give to the church or give to this uh, person that's in your life that you're like, oh my gosh, that's not what I was thinking. I can't do it like that. You know, you got health issues. And God said, you know what? This is what I want you to do. No, I can't do it like that. And fear sets in. And yet God's like, you know what? Just stop and just do it my way. But it's not the way I thought you would do it. It usually isn't. That's not how he works. Why? Because his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. He isn't us. He's got a better way of doing it. He's got a better way of working things out. If I let my three-year-old cook the way that she wants to cook, and she wants to cook all the time, if I let her cook the way that she wants to cook, she'd be covered in burn scars and our house would be burned down. Because she wants to be right on the stove where the flame is at. She's big enough. I'm big enough. I got it. I can do it. Back up. Watch out, Dad. Like, no, we're not going to do it your way. We're going to do it my way. Right? And so God has a way of doing things that protect us and grow us at the same time. And so here he is walking on the water, and they're afraid. This isn't how we expected you to come. We think it might be a ghost. And then here's 27 and 28. Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. We talked about this last week. He didn't just give them courage, but he said take it. In other words, it's up to you now to have faith and have courage in me. Take courage. It's available. Take courage. It's our choice. Where do we want to put our faith? Where do we want to put our hope? Where do we want to, if we put it in God, we say, okay, I'm taking courage. I'm taking courage. We're going to advance. We're going to move forward in this area of our life. Is that he says, take courage. But here's the thing that you want to look at. It says, Jesus immediately said to who? If you look on the screen, them. He didn't say it to Peter. He said to them. He said it to the whole boat full of people take courage. It's me. The only person that responded was Peter. Are you a responder to God? When God says, take courage, which is kind of the opening salvo of I'm about to to, to do something really cool that's scary. Take courage. Something's about to change. Something's about to happen. You're about to see something only I can do. Take courage. Only one person on the boat even replied. Peter. He didn't, he didn't reply with courage. He replied with questions. If it's you, if it's really you, if if, if if you really want me to do this, how many of you have ever had something in your life where you feel like God is telling you to do it, God is calling you to do it, and you look in the word and yep, it matches in the word because that's the first place we check. This is this in the Bible? Is this right? But a lot of people do things. They say, well, God told me. But they look in the word. It's totally opposite of that. So it's, it's, the word is the first place to go to verify. But then God's moving on their heart. and They feel like God's calling me to do this, telling me to do this. And you have a question as you're hearing it, as you're feeling it, as you're thinking about it. And your question is, God, is that really you? Anybody ever felt that way? Is that you? That's Peter. He knows that he's telling him to take courage. He knows that there's something cool happening. He knows that something totally outside of his ability is about to go down. But he's like, is it really you calling me to do that? Is it really you? Or am I just making this up? Am I just seeing things? Am I losing my mind? Like, what's going on? He says, if it's you, tell tell me to come to you on the water. 14, 29 to 30, Jesus' answer He says, come, come. And then what does Peter have to do? He has to get down out of the boat. Down out of the boat. He had to get out of everything he knew that kept him safe. Everything he knew from both life experience, from professional experience as a fisherman, everything he knew that both provided for him that both protected him, that carried him, that kept him from drowning. He had to get out of all of his stuff, his experience, his strength. He had to step out and climb down out of all of that in order to respond to God. There's a lot of things in our life that we start to depend upon that we've experienced, that we've walked through. This is, how, this is how I do it. This is how I walk it out. This is how I've coped with this situation in my life. This is how I've managed this situation. This is how I've managed this relationship. This is how I've managed, like all these different things. This is how I do it. And sometimes we have to climb down out of all the things that we've learned to depend upon in order to say, God, what do you want me to actually do? Where are you taking me? What do you have for me? And that's what Peter's situation is. He gets out. He walks on the water. And what does he do? He goes towards Jesus. Now, this is the beautiful scene. The clear, flat water and Jesus with the white robe and his hand out. Come. And he steps out on that stormy water. And what happens? Boom. He just goes down like a rock. <laughs> Starts looking around and just goes down like a rock. Boom. It's over. He's going under. How many of you have ever said, oh, that's fine. I've gotten this far. I've done that. I've gotten that far before. Thanks, Pastor. I've done that. Like, I've done that. I've climbed down out of stuff because I was responding to God and I was following God. And you know what? It ended up terrible. I almost drowned. I almost drowned. I almost drowned. Almost. Why didn't you? What kept you from drowning? Why didn't it turn into total disaster? Why were you able to make it to the next day? Why are you here? Why do you still have hope? Why are you still moving forward? What happened? Because you almost drowned. Something stopped you from drowning. Something saved you. Someone helped you out. Someone rescued you. Someone brought you forward. Yeah, but God didn't show up. Somebody showed up. Somebody showed up and reached out and helped you out out of that situation. Sometimes we look at situations we've been through that are rough and we say, well, God didn't show up because it didn't work out the way I wanted it to, the way I thought it would, and I almost drowned. I'll never do that again. We learned the wrong lesson. The greater lesson isn't that we almost drown. The greater lesson is that even when our faith wavered and even when we almost went under, that God was still faithful. That shouldn't teach us not to get out of the boat. That should teach us to get out even faster. Because you know what? I got out of the boat and I almost drowned. But even when all my fear kicked in, even when all my weakness kicked in, even when all my failure kicked in, even when all my problems kicked in, when, even when all of my inabilities kicked in and I was going under, guess what? He didn't leave me. He still helped me. He still reached out. He still grabbed me. He still picked me up. Even when I thought I had sobriety and I had a chip and I had everything going for me and I had 12 months and I had three years and I had five years and all of a sudden it was a Friday night and I was totally bummed and I lost my job or I had a fight and I went out and drank and I thought, you know what, forget it all. I'm never going to go back. I'm just going to go back to my old addiction. I'm done. And that's where I was. I woke up Saturday morning and I was done. That's it. I'm going to drown. Somehow he reached out and grabbed me. And I don't know why, but I'm showing back up, but I'm still here. Even when I thought my marriage was over, Do you know what? I don't know why, but I'm still in it. I don't know why. I'm definitely not talking about us. Or any of you, by the way. I'm talking about the other church. Whatever the situation is. I thought I got bold. I thought I loved people. I thought I could interact with people and have social, but I went to this other event, and then I got freaked out, and I left. Ten minutes into it starting, because my social anxiety kicked back in. Forget it all. I'm going to be a hermit. Boy, that was my second option. be a pastor or be a hermit. And I personally was leaning very heavily to hermit. Okay, back to here. Sometimes it's nice. You feel that, but you know what? God's like, no, you almost went under, but I'm bringing you back. Come forward with me. That's what happened with Peter. He reached out his hand, fourteen thirty one. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. Now here's a part that's funny. It says, "You have little faith. Why did you doubt?" And we're different than God. We're so judgmental. The way we picture that is Jesus pulling him up out of the water and looking at him like, you little faith, man, why did you doubt? Just kind of dangling him there. In the, Maybe I should have let you drown. <laughs> drown the doubters. Just dunk them. That's kind of how we picture it, right? They oh, yeah, I don't want to be a Peter. I don't want to be a Peter. You know, one guy I heard said one time, would you rather be a, a dry boat talker? Or a wet water walker? Would you rather be the guy that was on the boat all that time? Never got out, pointing out, and going, yep, see Peter, there he is, underwater. <laughs> or would you rather have walked for a few and started to go under, and the literal God of the universe that created everything reached down and grabbed your hand and pulled you up? What happened when he pulled him up? They both walked on the water together. It's not that he never walked on water. He started to go under, but he pulled him up. And they walked together on the water. They were both there. He didn't just pull them up and they just in the boat. He pulled them up and they were both on the water. God finished what he started, what he called him to do, he allowed him to do. He just did it with him in partnership. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. It's okay to call out to God in the middle of a struggle and to say, I thought I could do this, Lord, but I can't. That's what he's been waiting for. But then when he takes your hand and pulls you up, don't don't live in condemnation. Oh, fine, hold my hand, but I'm such a loser. I know you believed in me. I jumped out of the boat, but I I guess I don't have floaty feet. I'm just a sinker. That's me. Come up out of the water, man, and excited and rejoicing like, Lord, we're on the water together. Let's hold hands. Let's hold hands together. Let's do it. Let's run. Let's walk. And they're out on the water together. He pulls him up. Now, here's the thing that makes that personal is that Jesus, the God of the universe, could have had Peter come out of the water any way he wanted. Remember, he commanded Lazarus to come out of the grave, right? Come forth. Boom. Come out. He spoke for people to be healed, and he didn't even go there. He just said the word, and they were healed far away. He could have just looked at Peter and said, Peter, rise. Peter would have come right up. Just like that. He could have called angels down to lift Peter up. He could have done any of those things. But do you know what he did? He reached out his hand. What does that tell you about him? Who do you reach your hand out for? Anybody? Someone that you trust? Somebody that you care about? It's relational. Right? I can't just be walking down the street, stop at a crosswalk and look over and there's somebody there and just say hey let's hold hands <laughs> it don't work very well right it's not it doesn't really work it's somebody that you that you have a relationship with jesus had a relationship with peter and he wanted a relationship it's an intimacy it's a closeness he's like you know what? take my hand let's go it tells us that even when we struggle, even when we feel like we're going under, even when we feel like we might be failing or falling short of what God's called us to do, and we call out to him, he still is looking at us from a relational lens of love. We talked about that and sang about that today. He reaches out his hand. Come on, let's go. I'm going to pick you up. We're together. And so that's what God does for each of us today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Matthew 14:31. he reaches out his hand. He caught him. He picks him up. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? And then here's the thing. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. When they climbed into the boat, when they were done doing what they were doing, it doesn't say, see, time matters. It says immediately he reached out his hand and saved him, right? It doesn't say that here. And immediately they were in the boat. This is when. When they were in the boat, then everything died down. The storm stayed. The issues stayed, and yet the closeness and the connection with Jesus was there. The storm hadn't stopped yet. The fact that you're in a storm or going through a struggle does not mean that God's not with you or that you failed or that something's totally screwed up. And when means that it wasn't right then, but it was when. When is a little bit of time. How long? I don't know. But they stayed out there. And they walked back towards the boat and they eventually got back in. And everybody else on the boat was looking, and guess what? Oh shoot, we missed an opportunity. We could have jumped out of the boat. We could have had an opportunity to do that. We could have walked with Jesus on the water. Could have been us that talked about miracles, us that talked about what God did, us that talked about how God came through in our life. If we had just got out of the boat, moved forward. Somewhere God's calling each of us to jump out of the boat. Whatever it might be. Maybe it's a boat of bitterness. Maybe it's a boat of of fear. Maybe it's a boat of finances. Like, I got it all structured this way, Lord. This is the only way I can do it. And especially with the economy having struggles, I got to even be tighter on how I do things. And God's saying, you know what? I want you to open up and be a generous person, a giver. There'll be more people in need now than ever. I can't. Climb down out of my boat. But this is my plan. Climb down out of your plan. Trust God. Whatever it might be that God's calling you out for, maybe he's called you to start a business. Maybe he's called you into a ministry. Maybe he's called you to pray for people. Maybe he's called you to start a Bible study at your work. I don't know what it is. Maybe he's called you to invest. There's many many things that God puts on our heart to do because he wants to work in our whole life, like we talked about the Youth Job Corps. And so when God is calling you, it's time to step out and to move forward and trust that he can be with you. I don't know what your scenario and your situation is, but I do know that God is for you, that God is with you, and that when you step out on the water, it's going to feel a little scary. And that doesn't mean you stepped in the wrong place. It just means you're stepping outside of your own ability. And that's the perfect place to begin to rely on God's ability and to begin to trust him. Let's bow our heads. Father, I just pray for each person in the church right now. Father, I pray that you would, God, encourage them, Lord, that you are with them. Whatever you've called them to do, or whatever you have asked them to step out of and to step into, Lord, I pray that you'd give them confidence and boldness, not in themselves, but in you, that you see them, that you know them, that you love them, that you're for them, that you're with them. Lord, that they would step out of those things, Lord, and have a time of walking on the water with you and knowing that the things going on in my life that are good right now, the things going on in my life that are being sustained right now, the things going on in my life that God's bringing me into, only he could make possible. we give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Take the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com slash give.